Gentlemen, good to be with you. I, uh, I don't want to blame this on the Holy Spirit. Obviously, by the way, whenever the Lord nudges and works with you, it still works through the human mind. God, uh, God, God made us in his own image and invited us to co-rule with him. We're not just the kids who sit in the back seat and are told to shut up, and God said, I'll lead you to shut up. That's not biblical. You're actually, come on, kid, you know, from Genesis 1, I'll make them, you name them, okay? I'll, I'll make them, you organize them, all right? Um, you're invited to co-rule. So I, it always makes me nervous when somebody said, the Holy Spirit told me to, to say this to you. Well, truth is, the Holy Spirit is also working with my maturity and immaturity and all those things. So just, but as I thought about it, I made a change a second ago. When I talk to guys about sex, I almost um, always want to want to start at the larger picture. We have to talk about sex with guys. Um, you, you just have to. Uh, it's been a battle for every generation. You're not unique. You're not the first pe person to show up on a battle. Um, to not talk about sex would be stupid. That'd be to avoid the front line of most every war. Uh, the, the very thing that, that destroyed David's life, the thing that destroyed Solomon's life, uh, the thing that destroyed Judah's life. You just go on and on. Every generation. Um, but your generation, your generation ought to get a great apology from my generation because we, we, we put you further behind the starting line. <laughs> you, you don't get to start out at the 100 at the yard, you know, zero deal. You, you started out behind it. Um, you are actually a grand experiment in all of sociology, in all of history. No one, no one has had the sexual exposure <laughs> that you have had both publicly and privately. Um, you, you, you're going to be, sociologists are going to study you forever. Because what does it do? The reason I sort of apologize as I start into this is there's a, a place I like to begin and it's not here but I got 25 minutes with you, so we're gonna do it. I don't know how many of you in this room porn is a battle for, but I know a good portion of you it is. I know any number of you sing worship songs and lead worship and, and play guitar and go home and watch porn and masturbate. Something seems weird there, okay? I know any number of you do devotions, lead Bible studies, and go home because there's no sweet mates and roommate and you get the I don't give a damn day and you're back on a phone. Why? What do you do about it? It's a bigger picture so if you'll, if, if you'll forgive me for just taking one little slice out of this conversation and doing 20 minutes of it. Let me see if I can't explain to you a little bit what's going on. And why just saying I'm going to do better hadn't worked for you? And why the 37,000th time of I'm, I'm sorry, God, almost to the point that you're going, I can't even say I'm sorry, God, anymore. I feel like such a hypocrite to even say, God, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. so, so what's going on? I'm going I'm to hit you uh, a, a series of things. Tonight will actually be a better answer for to know how to deal with it. And I won't be talking about it directly, but tonight we'll answer what you do a little better. But let me at least hit, hit some stuff that's happening. Why is it so difficult? Why do you keep going back to it? I don't want you to actually, um, I kind of want you to pitch the word addicted to porn. I kind of want you to challenge that word. Addiction, I'm not overly excited about that word. 
but why do you keep going back to it? If this is not for you, and I don't want to make that accusation, many of you have been very, I mean, you fought through the crap, and, and you, you were courageous, and you actually had some people who helped you, and, and, and you walked by it and through it. What I'm going to do is, is maybe give you some stuff that you can help somebody else with, because we are in this together. Let me start with this. I'm going to give you about seven or eight reasons that's, that it's so hard to walk away from and, and to do. Number one is we have forgotten that sin ensnares. Sin traps. And I could read for you Proverbs 5.22. Um, I could read Hebrews. Set aside this sin that so easily entangles. Sin is, not, is never a line that you cross. Oh, it might be that in some way, but that's really not sin. Sin actually, biblically, is, is, is used for the idea, in fact, Proverbs 5.22 is the passage, um, the Hebrew actually has the idea of a net that is thrown over a bird. You are ensnared. Sin, sin ensnares. And you say, well, I should not have done that sin. Well, that's true, but you need to know, once you do sin, sin does you. You, you, you commit sin, no doubt about it, but it's closer to this. Here, put the manacles, put the handcuffs on me. Sin is an ensnaring thing. And because we are dealing with deep cosmological kinds of things, you're not man enough to go do sin and then say, you know what, I, I, I think I'll just quit on my own. Truth is, you need a redeemer. You need a rescuer. You're an arrogant idiot if you think that you are ability to choose it and unchoose it. Oh, don't misunderstand me. We, we, we can choose to stop sinning, but I can't choose to be unensnared without actual spiritual power. And so what do I need? I need Christ not only on the cross for my redemption, but I need the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to actually have to have the presence of Christ for my release. The bird inside the net has to have somebody else come and be a part of the rescue. And so if you've been going, hey, I'm going to not do this anymore, and you've been just kind of, you, you, you didn't realize, honestly, that there is an ensnaring element. You are spiritually caught. And you do not negotiate your way out of being spiritually caught. Some of, the, some of you guys are so, and again, it's going to sound accusatory, but some of you, just like I am on other things, we keep having this debate in our head thinking, I can beat it. I, 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 I can beat it. There are some things that are just set up to cause you to fail and to always fail. And sin has that ensnaring element. Silly illustration, but if I bring if I, Kevin Durant and you played one-on-one -on -one basketball back here, are you ever going to win? Oh, he might let you win every now and then just so you wouldn't lose heart and stay in the game. But he's going to wink. For every point you've scored, he's just going to kind of wink at somebody else. You do not beat Kevin Durant on your own one-on-one. -on -one. You will not defeat sin one-on-one -on, -one on your own. At some point in time, you've got to admit, I stepped into something that is bigger than me, stronger than me, all I'm doing is playing some stupid game with it, but I will not win this. 
not without additional help. Number two, when you begin to get involved in porn, you wake up an appetite that cannot be satisfied. There are many things that you take that do not satisfy an appetite. They wake it up. And so you say, well, I just masturbate some. I, I just watch porn some. You will never satisfy the appetite. You will wake it up. You create something in you that is never satisfied by more porn or more semen. It's just not. And so every time you go back to it, you are, in fact, just feeding an appetite that is insatiable. Um, for what it's worth, and, and tonight we'll answer this far better, by the way, but your culture has said to you that, that sex is a physical drive and everybody has it. Our culture has lied. The culture has said you have three physical drives, that you have a drive for food, that you have a drive for water, and you have a drive for sex. In fact, that is so key in our culture that we even make this an identity. Why? Because there's no other identity you can put out of these. I need food, everybody does. My identity is water. And so this becomes such a key concept. Your very humanity is what sexual identity are you? Trouble is, that's a lie. Sex is not a physical drive. Well, wait a second. Oh no, it has a physical component, but sex is an emotional drive. It actually doesn't fit on the left side, it fits over here. Emotional drive. God didn't create it for an individual emotional drive. He created for a bonding emotional drive. Now sex can be stolen and made a physical drive. So you tend to do it on your days of good grief, I, I'm just a jerk, I'm a louse. You tend to do it on your days that you got shot down. You do it on the days you didn't care much. You, you did it on your apathy days. By the way, apathy is an emotion. It's a numbing emotion. It's more like morphine. And so when you have your apathy day, when you have your angry day, we kidnap it and we can put it over here, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. You have woke up an appetite for sex that is designed for a relational bond, but you use this as a physical drive. Just for what it's worth, you will never be satisfied with sex in your marriage. Why? Because sex in a marriage is designed for an emotional connection and you're using it for a physical drive and you've been using it for a physical drive since you were 13. And the girl that marries you will give you sex, but it will never quite satisfy. It will, I'm not, I, I've worked with enough people. I'm almost a 66-year-old guy. I will stand here and I will tell you I've, I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, but I've been down enough roads. I guarantee you what actually happens is what happens if this way when you get into a, a marriage you will attempt to use it this direction, but you've already pre-programmed how your body and brain and mind works. You made it a physical drive. So it's your sexual activity is basically self-pleasure that involves a partner. 
That's why so much tension in marriages, by the way. I have my needs too, a guy will say. I have my needs too. That's why so many women have the pressure. Well, yeah, you gave me sex, but you didn't do it the way I saw on the screen through all the years. You didn't groan or scream or say or do or chase or use the kitchen table or something the way porn has always taught you. And it's about me. So why is, is porn such a hard thing? Number one, it's a sin that entangles. Number two, you have moved it into a physical drive. Number three, it alters your brain. You realize, don't you, the brain is incredibly flexible. It really is. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. There's a guy named Tim Jennings who's a medical doctor, who's gone, uh, he runs treatment centers, he's a psychologist, psychiatrist, I mean, just, I mean, you just keep adding it in, he's been incredible, Tim Jennings. So I want to give him credit for this, but Tim Jennings says, the brain is so flexible, let me have a bad stroke, parts of my brain, other parts of my brain will adapt and begin to, to compensate, and, 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 and so the, the kinds of things you can do, well, this is going to be very simplistic because I'm trying to watch the time on this, but this is pretty crazy stuff. If I give you your brain, down here at the bottom you have your amygdala. Your amygdala is what tells you the house is on fire. Run. The, 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 the crisis part of your brain. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is where Joseph is inside a room and a woman says, come sleep with me. And he just goes, amygdala kicks off. Whoa, no, 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 no. And he throws his coat and leaves, all right? The front of your brain has the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal, prefrontal cortex is your rational side. Again, I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but I think, it, I think it, 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 it follows. That's where you logically process. And so you're a man of God. You're a man of God who goes, wait a second, I want to imitate Christ, and I want to go down the road that makes me more like Christ. I, I, I want to be a man who never dishonors the woman I'm going to marry or dishonors the God who made me, you know, with sex. Uh, and, and so there becomes an opportunity for sex with a girlfriend or there becomes porn, okay? Your amygdala should kick in and go, whoa, house on fire, run. The prefrontal cortex should go, you know what, that's not who you are. It's who you used to be. It's not who you are now. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why would I bring a prostitute in here? Why is a pole showing up in this stupid thing? Okay. You have a third part of your brain, and I'm just going to stick it here for these reasons. You have a part of your brain right here where you feel, it's, it's, it's your feelings. It's where you feel um, safe, tucked in. When you were a little kid sitting in your mama's lap and a blanket wrapped around you, and you're being held, this part of your brain is, 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 is kicking in. You just feel comfortable. You feel safe. You feel connected. It's designed to be fed from the king's table. It's designed for community. It's designed for even the right kind of solitude and intimacy with God. It's designed to have a sense of, wow, I know who I am in the image of God. And you're supposed to have a set of feelings. And those feelings, right there. The average 13-year-old boy 
is underdeveloped in great parts of his brain, but he longs for that. I just long to be people proud of me. I long to have somebody who thinks I'm all right. I long for dad to not think I'm a screw up. I long for a coach who actually likes me for me or whatever. Here's what happens. Porn kidnaps the brain. And so you take from the garbage pail and you throw porn in and it alters the brain and it gives you a sensation, a feeling. That feeling is what you're going for, especially when you're emotionally immature. And porn kidnaps the brain. And it begins to say, junk out of the bottom of the garbage can can produce that feeling into you and it can be here now and immediate. The reason you tend to do your porn on the days that you're not being victorious is on the days you have more longing. Longing for emotional connection. And porn becomes the prostitute. There's something else Tim Jennings said. By the way, this actually isn't lust. Lust fits in here. This is the longing to be close to somebody. Great writers before us have said that a man who goes to a prostitute is normally not looking for sex. There's a longing deeper inside. This garbage pail begins to fill it. The answer, by the way, is not just to stop porn. The answer is I've got to pursue the king's table. How do I get the intimacy in the right and legitimate ways? Here's something pretty unique, though. Your brain works against you. Many of you really are people chasing after the heart of God. And you really do love Jesus. And you, you did porn Tuesday night. And you can't imagine why I did. I said I wouldn't. I, I said I wouldn't. Why would I do it? This part of the brain has, and again, I'll have to describe it. It has an ability to send out two chemical arms, both directions. Because when you went to your room and you started to open up your porn, your amygdala should have kicked in and went, whoa, 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 that's not who I am, house on fire. Prefrontal cortex should have kicked in going, wait a second, that's not what I want to do. That's not the kingdom life I live. The trouble is, this sends out two chemical arms that turn the light off on those two. You ask a guy, what were you thinking when you did porn last night? His answer almost is, can't tell you. I don't know. He's telling the truth. Because he's set in the circumstance long enough that he gave time for his brain to reach out with its hands and turn the light off on the amygdala and turn it off on the prefrontal cortex. If carbon monoxide were coming into this room under the doors, seeping out, it comes in invisible. It comes in odorless, and slowly puts us to sleep, and we die. 
So if carbon monoxide is here and you have a hint of it, what do you do? You run. You change your environment. You change. None of you can sit in your room and negotiate with yourself long enough when you have this crazy longing. You, you, you've got to do something because this is already pre-programmed to turn off those two. It is a losing battle. You don't negotiate with evil. And your brain is cooperating with evil. Number four. Or number three, what am I on? Number four. Because you've been doing porn, here's a crazy thing and you don't even realize it. Your body has been preparing for sex for several hours. That if you tend to go back to porn, here's why. You know what grooming is? Grooming is when a pedophile will take a kid to the basketball game and take them bowling and take them out for ice cream. It's, it's grooming. Grooming is the process of putting a condition so that the pedophile can take advantage of the kid. Once you start doing porn, your body and your brain are operating and they already know the signals of what you're probably going to do that day. Your brains, your body started preparing for sex about 10 o'clock that morning about 11 o'clock that morning. There's a certain mood you have. There's this, you, you noticed your roommate wasn't going to be in tonight. Never even, you didn't logically immediately put that there, but subconsciously, and you're Pavlos dogs. Everybody knows the silly illustration, but if you'll take a, a piece of meat out, a dog will salivate. And then later on, if you'll take, don't ring the meat, just ring the bell, the dog will begin to salivate just based off the bell. Your body is preparing for sex. You want to know why you're having trouble saying no? Your body's already fighting against you. Your body is already headed that direction. Where I'm mainly headed with all of this is you don't get to just simply sit down and say, you know what, I just am going to tough it out today. Well, if you tough it out today, here's what you're doing. You're fighting against the entrapment and sin. You have an appetite that's woke up. You've altered how your brain operates. Your body's been preparing for sex. Why is it so difficult? Number five, it isolates you. It isolates you physically and emotionally, I mean, physically and environmentally. Almost none of you holler down the hallway in the dorm, hey, I'm thinking about looking por at porn. Come on in, guys. If anything, when you do, when you sit down in a chair, is you make sure where's the window. When you sit down, you make sure you know where the door is. It has an it has an immediate effect of isolation. That's not just a surface isolation. It also works emotionally in isolation. I don't know why God did this, but here's just a reality. You can either have relationships with people or you can have relationships with pixels on a screen, but you cannot have both. I've done porn stuff with guys forever. When I started in, they had to go buy magazines and all of that sort of stuff and go to the girly shows. Now then, it's, it's everybody's you know, pocket. But here's what I know. Everybody who does porn, it's like a glass wall goes up between them and everybody else. Oh, you may have a thick glass wall or a thin glass wall at the moment. But you will raise your kids and you will never quite feel like you could reach through the glass on it. It, it isolates. 
There are wives who want to know their husband, and they know them, and, and yet they can't quite get through because the very nature of it is when I move sex over to the physical side and I move it out of the bonding side, I have done something to myself that isolates. Those of you that struggle at some level with connecting with people, porn feeds that. It feeds that isolation. Let me give you another one. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to hurry through this. I saw what time it is. You know, as simple as it sounds, it creates a habit. Creates a habit. When you get up in the morning, you, you have a habit. You just do. I don't know what you do, but your habit is I always get my cup of coffee and I hold it in my right hand and I go do this and, and then I, I go down, I brush my teeth this way and, and, and when you shave and brush your teeth, you, you always do it in this order. I mean, you just have habits. If you started in with porn, you go, why am I having trouble quitting this? You, you've created a pretty deep habit. And the habit's about every two to three weeks or the habit's every three or four days or the habit's once a week or the habit's, and you have a habit. And, 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 and you've got to figure out how in the world am I going to br break this habit. Here's the crazy thing as well. It has turned, my, whatever my number is, I have no idea. And I'm just going to say phone for simplicity's sake. But you have turned your phone into a Trojan horse. And I know on the subject of sex, using the word Trojan doesn't fit real well. But, but you've turned your phone into a, a Trojan horse. It's the very thing that you read the Net Bible on this morning. It's the very thing you used to call your mom. And it also has the stripper. And you say to yourself, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to stop. They give me your phone. Where's your phone? Somebody give me one here. This is how I upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> so I call mom and I read the scripture and then I lay my phone down on the desk and I say to the stripper, you're not coming out of this phone today. Here, but I want you to sit on the desk, fully clothed. Here, you're going you're gonna to lay on the floor beside my bed, but, but well, what you've done is you've environmentally you've environmentally brought the Trojan horse in. You do not have the willpower to say to a stripper, hey, I want you to sit here fully clothed. You don't take your clothes off until I ask you to later. You have compromised and you have turned into a trap this very thing. I'm going to tell you right now, you will not get well with your normal pattern of bringing this into your room. If you bring this into your room, you are not intending to succeed. If failure is part, part of how you live, you're not intending to succeed. Let me remind you of something. Great decisions are not made out of willpower. They're made out of wisdom. You have two things going on in your life, wisdom and willpower. But willpower, when it has been trapped by sin, is down here. So you raise wisdom. Wisdom's real simple. I just, I just, I've been faithful to Julie. I've, I've never had an affair. I've not been close to an affair. I'm not better than anybody else. All I knew is that, that I, too, would slip my throat if I didn't use wisdom. So I don't take long journeys in cars with women that are not my wife. I don't go to meals with women. You know, I've had women who say, hey, could you meet me for lunch? You know, and I'm going, well, if you've got somebody you want to bring with you, oh, you can trust me. Yeah, I don't know if I trust me, uh, you know, because I have no idea how things happen. Wisdom, you put wisdom high, then low power, the willpower can be low. 
But if you bring wisdom down, willpower will eat you alive. Now, somewhere along the line, with time, your willpower will get high as well. But your phone has already become part of your trap. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, if your phone's in your room with you and that's what you typically use, you're intending to fail. You're just not honest enough with yourself. You're saying to the stripper, come, come, come sit here. Of course, I'm not going to look at you tonight. <laughs> just, just lay here on the floor beside my bed. Many of you are going, Where, where's he headed with this? I'm telling you, it's a complex thing you have to address if you're really going to get well. You've got to address, I've got to address this spiritually, with community, and with people. I've got to address this, that my very theology of sex has to be re-examined, not just stopping porn. I have to address this with how do I find my real comfort in life, and I've got to stop idolatry. I've got to actually alter my body. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to physically put a response on the days that you're in your moods. You've got to physically do something because your body is already um, preparing for that. I, uh, I've got two more. Your time's up. I want you to go to lunch here in a second. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The people who get well get well because they, they chase after Christ to be repaired in a different way. You're going to have to have the Holy Spirit and Christ repair you. The people who, who do this have to admit, number two, that there's a great emotional weakness I have. It's not really a lust weakness, honestly. Lust is what introduced it to you, but that's not what it is. You have an emotional weakness that I've got to go to the part of me that God wanted my emotions healed and I've got to find an answer beside this crazy idolatry of a naked woman. Okay? You have to change your community. If you do not change your community, I don't want you, and, and I'm going to sound a little, little fussy here, but I don't want you having accountability groups anymore the way they're described. Accountability groups, and again, I'm cut me some slack. Accountability groups are often the people that are we just confess to after we failed. I don't want an accountability group. I want a neighborhood watch. Accountability groups are a little bit like EMTs. They show up after the accidents already happened and clean up the body parts. I, what I want is neighborhood watch. There are three or four guys taking the journey. And that's where a guy gets a hold and calls and says, hey, this is the kind of day I often fail. I notice that my roommate's going to be gone tonight. This is the night up. I have a date with Sally tonight. And honestly, I didn't handle well when I was dating in previous relationships. You work with guys ahead of it. You end up three or four people that you text and you go, you know what? I don't want to mess this up today. You take a group journey ahead of it, not behind it. Accountability groups are fine. I get that. But confession afterwards is what I'm looking at. I'm looking for so you, your community has to proceed ahead of it, not behind it. It's the, look, I need you to text me tonight at 7 and 9 and 11. Okay, that kind of thing. Here's the last one. If Jesus would tell you that if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, or your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and obviously he's speaking metaphoric, but he means to be shocking. He means there's no end that you would stop at. 
not to keep sinning. So you tell me exactly why you buy this 600 piece of crap and you have it in your room and it keeps cutting your throat. At some point in time, you go, well, you know what, I have, I know what this is. You keep my phone. I'll come and get it and we'll sit together and I'll go over my phone and if I get an important phone call, you bring it to me. You come tell me, but I am done with the crap. I am done with this nonsense. I am done playing with sin. I'm done dancing with it. I'm done negotiating with it. And there's a place where some of the most honest, godly people I know are finally getting serious enough with themselves to go, look, the deck is stacked against me. That's the seven or eight things I've just given you. The deck is stacked against me to just do better. So here's what I do. I have a relentless chase after the Lord because you're going to have to release me. Here's the good news. He can and he will. You're going to have to have community. You're going to have to chase after emotional maturity in particular. And you're going to have to change physically what you do with your computer and your phone. Don't tell me, we know the passage, what, what, what's a prophet a man? He gains the whole world and loses his own soul in the end. What do you have worth hanging on to? I've got a set of guys that I really appreciate that have simply said, I have done this too long. I've given in too long. They are done with their phones. They said, I've lost the right. I'll get a phone back in two years. They pitch a little money to a couple of guys in the dorm. Do I think you have to do that? I don't know your story. Holy Spirit will walk you. I actually, through the years, have run into all kinds of resources. Most of them went, okay, it's helpful. Triple X Church has had good stuff. Covenant Eyes has had good stuff. Uh, let me pitch you one that you might consider. Um, Thefreedomfight.org. Thefreedomfight.org. It's probably the best one I've bumped into in the last set of years. Thefreedomfight.org was $47 a month if you were just an adult. It was $13 a month for college kids. Yay for being in college. Thefreedomfight.org has about 60 videos. They want you to watch two to three to four videos each week. They get into everything about your brain and emotions and why are you doing this and how's that occur and, and they get into the complexity of it. They also have you have partners that sign up and every day you check in and you check in what moods you're in, what emotions and what emotions are driving your day and they get uh, text and emails of what you've checked in. And so it becomes a bit of a, a, a shared journey. Um, they just a month and a half ago just took it to straight donation only. There's no monthly fee. I'm not sure. I actually think about that. I preferred you paying 13 bucks a month for it. It made you think about it a little bit more. But the freedomfight.org is a tool. No tool will, will ever do, you know, what, what just God himself has got to do, but it's a helpful thing in, in the sequence. Here's what I know. When the semester started, I had probably 27 to 33 guys somewhere in that range that were meeting with me. I'm talking about August. That were meeting with me, coming in individually and going, I've... I've been losing for 10 years. I've been losing for five years. I've been losing. And of those right now, we have two that have failed in the last three months. 
this is not permanent unless you want it permanent. But we had to address, and by the way, I didn't have a big enough whiteboard. I would like to have put about, about 10 things honestly, and we have to address every one of these issues. You don't just do better to do better. Ultimately, when the dust all settles, Christ is the one who sets us free. It's a different way of doing community. It means I don't just address my lust. I'm actually having to address my emotional unrepair. And I have to physically change my environment and control my environment a different way until my willpower, my wisdom is high so that my willpower gets time to build up to where I can be responsible. Does that make sense? It's not a full answer. It's a little slice. My apology. Go eat lunch. See ya.